good morning and thank you so much all my subscribers for listening in. This is The Barons, Kindling Stephen King Book Club. Um, if you're not familiar, for the past four or five months we have been making our way through some of Stephen King's most beloved works. We started with Carrie, The Shining, um, and now we have moved into his first best-selling short story collection, Night Shift. Today's episode is brought to you by The Lawnmower Man. This story is, I think, aside from Tommyknockers, the strangest Stephen King story I have ever read. I can't say I'm a huge fan, but I'm looking forward to diving in with you, and I think um, this one is worthy of a lot of laughs along the way. So let's get started. The Lawnmower Man was first published in Cavalier magazine, as many of these stories were. It was later collected into Night Shift in 1978, the collection we're reading right now, and it follows the protagonist Harold Parquette. The man needs a lawn mowing service, and why you ask? Well, we start out finding out that Harold actually really loves mowing his lawn. He's extremely proud, he likes the way it makes his house looks so nice, and he enjoys a cold beer while he listens to baseball. But one summer, the summer before our story takes place, he is mowing the lawn, his daughter is watching from the porch, and what happens? A neighborhood dog chases a cat under the lawnmower, and the cat gets torn to pieces in front of his daughter. She vomits on her new jumper, um, you know, his wife gets home and cries as he takes the lawnmower apart and cleans it. And we get from the very beginning that Harold doesn't think much of his daughter. She's going out with different boys at night and he says something about one of her sweatshirts, like calls it sleazy or something to that effect. So he's a guy who seems like he's a little bit out of control of his life. And the following summer, he ignores his lawn mowing duties altogether and lets his grass grow. And it becomes ridiculously high. It says in the story that it's as high as a meadow. And finally, by mid-July, he starts to notice that there is a woodchuck living amongst the tall grass. And he thinks, I've really got to take care of this. It's ridiculous. And so he decides to look through the paper and he sees a strange ad in the paper and it's extremely vague. It says very simply, lawns mode reasonable with a number. And so he decides to give the number a call. And what he's expecting is like some chipper housewife or something, you know, someone just trying to make some side money. And instead, he hears a professional voice briskly answering for pastoral greenery and outdoor services. So they say they can come over today. And Harold thinks, well, my wife is gone and my daughter's gone. And so I think it'll be nice. It'll be a great surprise when Carly gets home from her mother's that the lawn is finally mowed and I can stop getting made fun of by neighbors. So he's sitting on the back porch, he drinks his beer, and he dozes off, listening to baseball on the radio. And he's woken up by the doorbell in the front ringing. So, 
you know, he jumps up, he knocks over his beer, he's sleepy and confused, and he opens the door to find a large man standing in denim overalls on the front stoop. He's chewing a toothpick. He's fat. And King, as as usual, it's something that um, I've heard a lot of people critique in a lot of his older stories. He seems obsessed with fat people. He goes out of his way to describe them. And this is one of those examples. He says, the curve of his belly pushed his faded blue overall out to a point where Harold had suspected he had swallowed a basketball. Okay, so... He's a blue-collar guy, he's very sure of himself, he's cracking jokes, and Harold doesn't like him. And that was something that I noticed between the way he felt about his daughter and the way she dressed, and then how insecure he felt in front of this man. It's like he feels um, like less of a man almost because he's not taking care of the lawn himself. And he says something about how He's used to these kinds of guys, the guys that work at sanitation departments or on construction crews, but always seem to have time to stop and talk to you while they lean on a shovel. Um, They look at you like they could take your wife to bed, you know, anytime and something to that effect where you, you can see that he doesn't like feeling incapable in front of another man. And it's something that I've seen, um, play out in real life, like similar to how sometimes there's, you know, generic interactions between like woman to woman, man to man, between men and women, and so on. Um, Kind of those stereotyped interactions that aren't always true. But I've seen that play out where, you know, a man has to hire a man to fix his car, or something to that effect. Um, And I've especially noticed it if it's like an older man, and then a younger man comes to help. Um, there is kind of a weird dynamic sometimes. So there's a little bit of that here where, you know, Harold is feeling unsure of himself. He's feeling bad. And he, you know, shows the guy where the lawnmower is. And the guy says, oh, we have our own. And he decides to just drink his beer and relax, let the guy do his job, and hopes that it will be over soon. He dozes off again, thinking about stocks, wishing that he were able to understand the stock market like all these Wall Street gods that he looks up to, when all of a sudden, he's thinking about Cersei. And it's <laughs> this is where the story starts to lose me. And it's because the lawnmower man said something about Cersei. He said, um, you know, he's telling the guy, hey, no sweat. We love the tall grass. The taller, the better. That's healthy soil. That's what you got there by Cersei. That's what I always say. So as Harold is, you know, drifting off to sleep because he noticed it when the man said it, he's starting to think instead of using God when he normally would, he uses Cersei. Um, And so, like I said, this is where the story started to lose me. Cersei, for those of you who don't know, I am not good at Greek mythology. I do not remember ever studying it in school. I'm sure I did, but um, I can't remember it. So I have kids who learned Greek mythology in elementary school, and they can run circles around me. So I had to look it up. Cersei apparently was a lesser-known goddess who was renowned for her vast knowledge of potions and herbs. 
Through the use of these and a magic wand or staff, she would transform her enemies or those who offended her into animals. Okay, so kind of interesting, very random, but there have been a number of animals in this story. We had the the cat, of course, um, that Harold accidentally killed, and then the woodchuck is what prompted Harold to call the lawnmower company, and then later on, we will have a little mole make an appearance. So it is kind of interesting. Um, you know, it's also interesting the way Harold describes his lawn. Like the grass is like this beautiful meadow. Um, and that comes in later because we're not done with our Greek mythology with this story. So he hears the lawnmower start and it rips him from sleep. It's so loud. He can't believe that it could possibly be a lawnmower. And so he jumps up runs to the window and looks out and sees to his absolute horror that the red lawnmower is running all by itself. No one is near it. It is going at almost a demonic pace, ripping through his lawn, cutting the grass. And then he sees the lawnmower man, who remains unnamed for the entirety of the story I'll just mention. I'm going to read this to you and just tell me how weird this is. Because when, when I read the lawnmower part, I thought, okay, we've seen this just in this collection alone, right? In trucks, we've seen this where there's, you know, trucks that are sentient essentially and take over the world. Um, we've seen this in the Mangler in this collection where um, the laundry press uh, becomes possessed by a demon and starts killing people. So I thought, okay. We have another machine that has become sentient somehow and gone rogue. So I thought I knew what was going to happen. And yet, this is actually what happens next. The lawnmower man had removed his clothes, every stitch. They were folded neatly in the empty birdbath that was at the center of the black lawn, naked and grass-stained. He was crawling along about five feet behind the mower, eating the cut grass, Green juice ran down his chin and dripped onto his pendulous belly, and every time the lawnmower whirled around a corner, he rose and did an odd skipping jump before prostrating himself again. Um, guys, <laughs> what is going on right here? I put this in the newsletter. What is going on with this story? <laughs> I have to say, it is disturbing. Like, the guy's naked. He is crawling through the grass, eating all the clippings. Um, I don't know. It's, it's horrific, but it's also like just too weird, if that makes sense, to, for me. It's just too weird. I, it doesn't gel. I don't know what is happening. Um, so we'll continue. I mean, I have an idea by the end of why this is happening, but it's still so loosely connected that I don't know that it works. So he goes out to tell the guy to stop. He's thinking, what are my neighbors going to think? Oh my gosh. When a little mole pops up, he must've been hiding from the lawnmower and he decides to make a dash across the lawn to dive under the porch. And as he does so, the lawnmower takes a sudden turn and goes after the mole and cuts the poor little guy to pieces. And the lawnmower man follows and eats the remains. 
of the, okay, the bloody mole that was left behind, the little pieces. And then it just, you know, Harold at that point is so horrified he actually faints. When he wakes up, he's being shaken awake and he thinks, oh my God, thank God Carla is here, his wife. She's waking me from whatever horrible nightmare this is. And when he opens his eyes <laughs> and King goes into detail describing you know, from Harold's point of view, how Carla has buck teeth. And it's not flattering. It's really funny. He does this a lot with protagonists that I get the sense he doesn't like. Um, I don't know if he would agree with that, but like, these seem to be people that like, he wouldn't respect in real life. Um, especially because King is very political. And he makes a really big point of saying that this guy is a Republican who worships Wall Street gods, you know. Um, so I get the feeling that this is someone he's decided he doesn't like. And so <laughs> he always makes those guys like really hard on their wives. Like they're always calling their wives like fat and sloppy. And I've, I've seen it over and over again. Salem's Lot, there's a character like that with his wife where he, you know, notices she's all pimply. And anyway, I find it funny. Um, they're just rude, rude guys. So he sees buck teeth and he thinks, oh, Carla, Carla, it's you. But those buck teeth are, her buck teeth are like little chipmunk buck teeth. These are, are crazy. They're big. And wait a minute, there's, there's green hair all over them. It kind of reminds me of Little Red Riding Hood. And I even wonder if he's pulling from that, you know, where the grandma can't see and she goes, oh my, what big teeth you have. So as, as Harold, you know, the world comes into focus around him, he realizes it's grass and it's the lawnmower man shaking him awake, still naked and with grass stuck in his teeth. There's grass uh, stuck all over his beard. There's green juice dripping out of the sides of his mouth. And the man says, standing over him, no less, you fainted, buddy, right? Huh? <laughs> so Harold looks out. His lawn is perfectly cut. I mean, it's done better than it's ever been done before. Um, there's no clippings to rake up. And he mentions that. But he's left with this monster in front of him. Like, what is this guy? Um, and so I am actually going to read you guys a passage from here because I found it really interesting. And of course I don't have it open. I have to turn, but I found it interesting because this is where things start to kind of come together, I guess. Um, even when I read it, it's like a little bit generous to say that this is pulling everything together to me, but I guess we'll see what you have to say. So this is where we find out kind of like who this guy is. Cause what, at this point in the story, I'm thinking, I don't know what is even happening. <laughs> like we've got this naked guy eating grass, right? So Harold asks, what is this? Harold begged. The man waved an arm benignly at the lawn. This? Well, it's a new thing the boss has been trying. It works out real good. Real good, buddy. We're killing two birds with one stone. We keep getting along toward the final stage, and we're making money to support our other operations to boot. See what I mean? Of course, every now and then, we run into a customer who doesn't understand. Some people got no respect for efficiency, right? But the boss is always agreeable to a sacrifice. 
sort of keeps the wheels greased if you catch me. Harold said nothing. One word knelled over and over in his mind, and that word was sacrifice. In his mind's eye, he saw the mole spewing out from under the battered red mower. He got up slowly, like a palsied old man. Of course, he said, and could only come up with a line from one of Alicia's folk rock records. God bless the grass. The lawnmower man slapped one summer apple-colored thigh. That's pretty good, buddy. Okay, so can you guys picture this? He's naked, just slapping his thighs. In fact, that's damn good. I can see that you got the right spirit. Okay, if I write that down when I get back to the office, might mean a promotion. Certainly, Harold said. So Harold at this point is heading for the door, right? He's trying to go along. I mean, it's what any of us would do in a dangerous situation where we feel like we don't want to set this guy off, right? He's obviously crazy. And so he heads inside and he tells the guy to go ahead and finish the rest of the lawn and he's going to go call the police. Little, you know, little does the lawnmower man know that, but Harold gets on the phone and, oh, 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 I'm forgetting a really important part though. So before he's making his way to the door, tells him, you know, to go ahead and um, finish the rest. And the guy goes, sure, buddy. And then Harold notices that he has a strange split between his first and second toes, almost as if his feet were, well, cloven. Okay, so this is the part that's interesting because initially I thought, oh, this is Pan. Because, you know, a few paragraphs later, the guy actually says that Pan is his boss, you know, and that, um, yeah, so the, the boss of pastoral, what is it called? Pastoral Greenlee. Um, which the part that's hilarious is that if you don't know, Pan is actually the God of, he's the pastoral God. He looks over after the goats. He watches over woodland creatures. He's the God of meadows. And so here it's coming together. Oh, Harold had this meadow in his front yard. The part I don't understand, and maybe you guys can help me because maybe there's more mythology here that I'm missing that would make this story make sense is like, okay, why is Pan at the sky? So that was my first thought. But then my next thought was, no, Pan is his boss. This guy talked about Cersei. Cersei turned people she didn't like into animals. Maybe uh, this guy is suffering from a curse, a Cersei curse. Um, so what do you guys think about that? I'm really curious. Is it Pan or is it the unlucky recipient of some type of, um, you know, revenge by a god? If so, what on earth did, could he possibly have done? But the revelation makes the, the grass eating make sense, right? Goats eat grass. The naked part, um, I don't know. I mean, Pan is also considered like a fertility god. So maybe there's some weird, I don't know. Do you guys know about that? Is there something, is that a thing? Like naked people and Pan? Anyway, you guys let me know. Um, so yeah, we'll keep going. He tells the guy to, to go ahead and he heads in and decides he's going to call the police department. And he, he thinks to himself, what am I, what am I going to say to the police? Like, I can't just say, Hey, there's like a cloven 
hooved man here naked. Oh, wait, he's naked. That's right. So he calls the police and says that he needs to report indecent exposure. And the following conversation that happens is hilarious. Nothing short of hilarious. And this is, of course, a common horror trope. Um, you know, you see it even in Stranger Things, though they did flip that trope. Because when we first meet, if you've watched Stranger Things, Hopper is the sheriff in that show. He's incapable. Like, you know, you first see him, he's like um, an addict. He's drinking, he's doing drugs, he's, you know, coming into work late, and he doesn't take his job very seriously. We, we figure out that he's actually really good at his job. He's just you know, disgruntled. But that's the trope. Like the incapable police officer sets up a lot of horror stories to be able to have the monster or the villain succeed, right? Because if you had a good police officer who could step in and shoot him, then there wouldn't really be an issue. Well, Harold calls and he gets asked the most ridiculous questions. He's reporting indecent exposure. He says, yes, there's a man mowing my lawn. He's in the, uh, Altogether. You mean he's naked? Sergeant Hall asked, politely incredulous. Naked, Harold agreed, holding tightly to the frayed ends of his sanity. Nude, unclothed, bare-assed, on my front lawn. Now will you get somebody the hell over here? That address was 1421 West Endicott, Sergeant Hall asked bemusedly. East, Harold yelled, for God's sake. And you say he's definitely naked? You are able to observe his, uh, genitals and so on. Guys, guys, I mean, isn't this a little, it's a little far. I get what King's trying to do, but would the, would the guy ask that? Would he say Jen? I mean, it's just, it doesn't read right to me. This whole scene is so ridiculous. So as he is talking, uh, the sergeant says that he's starting to lose connection, and just then the front door crashes open, and Harold turns to see that the lawnmower man is coming through the door, and behind him is the automated lawnmower. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. The lawnmower is coming through the door, and behind the lawnmower is the lawnmower man. Still naked, okay? Just for all of you to picture on your way to work on this beautiful Monday morning. Okay, and I'm sorry, this is an explicit episode of Kindling. Uh, I didn't write it, okay? King did, so blame him. Then we read this sentence. With something approaching true insanity, Harold saw the man's pubic hair was a rich, fertile green. Oh, guys, I, I think this might be the worst King story I have ever read. <laughs> this is like... I'm, are you guys on board? I hope I'm not alone. I think this is, I don't know. I love Stephen King, but this is really, really bad territory. Okay, so at this point, I was totally taken out of the story, but we got to finish. We're committed. So the lawnmower is kind of flanking him to one side, and Harold has a chair, and he's, you know, getting ready to throw it at the lawnmower. And the lawnmower man tells him not to do that, that, you know, he needs to just accept his fate. He shouldn't have called the police. None of this would have to happen. And so he tells him to get a sharp blade because that would do best. And he thinks that 
the bird bath would do nicely to hold the blood from that sacrifice. So the, the lawnmower man is looking for a knife and Harold does the only thing he can do. He throws the chair at the lawnmower and, you know, runs out the front door. The lawnmower is after him, literally leaping over the porch and finally catches up to him. Harold glances over his shoulder, trips, and succumbs to the lawnmower. So Harold dies in the same way as the poor cat that he killed the summer before. And the story ends with police taking photographs of the scene, talking about what had happened. Apparently a neighbor had called to report that there was a naked man mowing the lawn as well. Um, They think it's him. It looked like him. And they think how crazy that this guy called on himself. And they're remarking on how you just never know. You know, could have been the heat got to him, caused him to have schizophrenia. And (laughs) the story ends with the two police strolling around the house and then it says, I'll read you the sentence because he does have a great ending sentence. I'll give him that. goes like this. Goodwin strolled around the house and coolly followed him. Behind them, the scent of newly mown grass hung pleasantly in the air. Okay, so guys, what do you all think of this? Am I, what am I missing? Is this terrible? I can't believe someone bought this. The writing isn't isn't bad. Like, he wrote a good story. There's the right, like, peaks and valleys where they should be. Like, the structure is right. But those details are so wacky. I just can't get on board. Um, I will say I did get a good laugh, and I was thinking about it after finishing. And I know that Stephen King is a big B-horror movie fan. Um... The Blob, uh, Killer Clowns in Outer Space and such. I am not a huge B-movie fan. Um, But if you are, does that track? Does this story seem like a B-movie storyline? Because it certainly does to me. And am I missing something with the pan mythology? Maybe there's something that would have made... Like the naked part makes no sense. Why Why is the guy naked? And... And lastly, I, I have to ask, did you guys laugh? Did you laugh at this story? I, I can't imagine if this was your first short story read of Stephen, like a, of a Stephen King work. I just can't fathom what that would mean. The only, the only other thing I wanted to mention is that Harold, if, if you all have read The Stand, Harold is a very hated kid. Well, at least I really hated him in The Stand. Like he... I don't want to ruin it for anybody, so I won't go into detail just in case you haven't read it. But I did think, I wonder if he knew someone named Harold when he was growing up who he didn't like, because names tend to do that in stories. If your name is Harold, I'm terribly sorry, um, but Stephen King doesn't like your name. He always uh, he always gives it to the bad guys. So I hope you enjoyed this rendition of <laughs> The Barons. Um the most ridiculous story in this collection. I think this is going to the bottom. If it gets lower than here, oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I had a good time though, and I hope you all did too. And I will see you next Monday, same place, same time, on the interwebs. 
um, until then, happy reading.